of the things I do, I love going to shows. I love going to concerts. I shared a few weeks ago, um, I was with Nigel and Aubrey, and we were close in a concert, and it was crazy, and we were, Nigel and I were singing at the top of our lungs. Not a really good song. It's kind of a crap song. Um, I said crap twice. I apologize. Send your emails. Um, but one of the things that I was in college and I was going to see a, a concert, and I'm not going to tell you what it was because you'll be really, uh, you'll make fun of me for the rest of your life. It wasn't Jay-Z. Calm down. Um, what? It's not Casey Musgrave. Okay. Anyway, okay, I'll tell you. Okay, I'll just tell you what it is because y'all think I'm a nerd anyway. Um, okay, there was this little show called American Idol. You remember that show? I'm really, Okay. And they used to have a tour that where they would take like the top 10 or top 12 and you could go see them. It's the nerdiest thing ever, but it was like the year Kelly Clarkson won. And so we went, anyway, that has nothing to do with it and none of you will ever come back to this ever again. But anyway, I remember I was still working my first year. I was straight out of college and I remember we were going to this really nerdy concert in St. Louis and I got a group of friends together. We're like, we have to go. We started driving on the way to St. Louis, and one of the things that I noticed is that about 45 minutes or an hour later, we had passed the sign for Bloomington. Well, if you've ever been to St. Louis, I'll tell you, that is not the way that you get there. That's the way that you go to Chicago. And so here's what happened. We had gone about an hour out of our way, and then had to come about an hour back out of our way to get to this venue where we needed to go. We were already stressed for time. We didn't have much time to get there. And by the time we got there, I'll tell you, we were late for the show. There was nowhere to park. We get there, somebody sitting in our seats. Have you ever been to a show where somebody can't read the tickets and they're in the wrong seat? I'll tell you, it was just a miserable, miserable experience, all because I had chosen to go in the wrong direction. Well, over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to talk about a guy who chose to go in the wrong direction. His name is Jonah. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to spend some time just really looking at the life of Jonah. One thing that I love to do is about once a year here at Underground, I like to take a familiar story that maybe many of us have grown up around and kind of look at it through a little bit of an unfamiliar lens. If you were here last year, um, we, stood, we spent about three or four weeks looking at the life of Joseph. And so over the course of this next three weeks, we're going to spend some time in this series called Overboard. Now, I'll tell you, that was not originally what I wanted to call it. It had another name. I'm not going to tell you what that name was, but I got overruled, and so we're calling it Overboard. So if I slip up, that's because. All right, if you have your Bible today, I want you to go ahead and take it out. If you have it on your phone, take out your phone and go to your version app. But we're going to turn today to the first chapter of Jonah in the Old Testament. Now, if you don't know where Jonah is, if you go about two-thirds of the way through your Bible, you will run into it. If you go to my Bible, it's page 740. That will not help you in the least, I'm sure. Jonah is a very short book of the Bible. It's made out of four chapters, um, really only two pages, so we can go through it pretty, pretty quickly. If you don't have your Bible or you can't find it, it'll be up on the screen, starting in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And here's what it said. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked his people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Everybody say Tarshish. 
It sounds like you have a speech impediment. Have you had Tarshish? So I'm sorry if I sound a little bit weird when I say that. But so here's what God tells him to do. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, as I was preparing for this message, Nineveh would have been about one year's travel away. It wasn't somewhere where he could go very quickly, but it says he got up and went in the opposite direction, about 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. So he didn't just go a little bit off course. He went completely away from the direction that God wanted him to go. Now, I don't know about you, but we lived, growing up, we lived in this um, kind of low-income apartment complex. We had a laundromat kind of on site, and my mom said to me one day, she goes, I need you to go get the laundry, bring it in, bring it back, fold it, help me put it away, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't follow what she wanted me to do. In fact, my friend lived across the street at the other apartment complex, and instead of going to do the laundry... I walked across the street to play with my friend. And when I got back, my mom was not too happy because she goes, hey, where's the laundry? I was like, I didn't do it. I went over here to play GI Joes or something with my friend. And I don't know if you've ever done something where you haven't obeyed your parents. It's probably not very good. You can ask some kids in this room what happens when they don't obey. You have to have a little talk. Or if you have a kid that's throwing hamburgers in the sanctuary, guess what? We're going to have a little talk. (laughs) But I'll tell you, sometimes you're asked to do something you don't like. Can I tell you up front, you don't have to like it to obey it. And I'm telling you that right now. Because some of you, I know you have parents that ask you to do things, and you completely disregard what they say and keep doing whatever you want to do. Trust me, I did it. I did it over and over and over again. But can I tell you, there are always consequences for disobedience. My kids, I'll tell you, the number one thing that finally gets through to them is to take away their phone. I don't know about you if that gets through to you. Like, we're not parents that like spank or any of that kind of crazy stuff. Not crazy. Some of you need spanking probably. Um, But we can do everything. We can do the timeout. We can say you're not doing this. But you take away that phone, the waterworks start. Or they start stomping their feet. It is not pretty. But I tell them, guess what? Your disobedience has consequences. Because you see, we sometimes just don't like to do what we're asked to do. There is one room in our house that I absolutely hate going into. And that is our boys' bedroom. It is the most disgusting place that you will ever venture. And so if you ever come over to our house, I will tell you, please do not head upstairs and go to the first bedroom that you see because I'm warning you right now. Here's the thing that sometimes happens. I wish I could say that I'm such a calm dad that I'll go in there and it'll look disgusting and I'll be like, hey guys, can you please go clean up your room? That ain't how I do. Work in progress. Here's generally how I walk in there. I will go in there to wake somebody up, to put something away, and I will be like, this room is disgusting. Get off your butt and go clean it up. And it's amazing that two and a half minutes later, they will both come and find me and they'll be like, our room's completely cleaned up. Really, you cleaned up that pigsty of a room in two and a half minutes? Mm Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Now look, look. 
I've learned. I will go in that room, and yeah, it looks pretty good, but then I get on my knees, and I peer under the bed, and I'll tell you, they have taken all that stuff and shoved it under the bed, and here's what I do. I have really long arms, like gazelle-like arms, and so what I will do is I will go under that bed, and I will go whoosh, and then I will go over to the other bed, because they share a bedroom, and I will take my other gazelle-sized arm and whoosh. And like 87 things will come flying out from underneath the beds. Like stuff that's so disgusting, like ice cream bowls that were there from like 1987 before they were even born or something. They're so gross. But I tell them, sometimes I'm going to ask you to do things that you don't even like to do. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes God will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. You see, the reason we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about Jonah is because I truly believe there's a Jonah inside each and every one of us. There's some times where God will say things to us or will speak things to us that we just don't want to do. We just don't want to hear. If you continue on in Jonah, the next three verses, picking up Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, it says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods to help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Tonight, I want to give you three takeaways from chapter one of Jonah. So if you're taking notes, and that's something I always encourage you to do, take notes Because there's some things that we say on Wednesday nights that I really want you to sink down into your heart. You might want to go back and revisit some of these later. But number one, you can run, but you can't hide. Number one, you can run, but you can't hide. When I was growing up, I went to a, a, a Christian school, and in about fifth grade, there was all the buzz at this school because in a tree, they had found a a bird that had laid some eggs and there were baby birds about to be born. And it was amazing. My teachers would bring their classes to see them. And so I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. And so one day I went to this tree and I looked at these eggs and they were beautiful. They were blue. They were amazing. But I did a stupid decision. I reached out and picked up one of the eggs and put it in my hand. Now listen, I didn't know any better. I was kind of stupid growing up. Um, but I took this egg, and it, was kind of, it started to crack in my hand. And so I put it back in the nest. Well, I've learned since that that's probably not a good thing, because the bird won't be born, and it won't function properly. And so I remember... I went about my my business, and about five minutes later, another class came through, and almost immediately, you heard this, and the teacher was like, something has happened to this egg, and so what did I do? I heard it, and I ran in the opposite direction. Now, we were at a school that was kind of a part of a church, so like all people would normally do, I went and hid in the baptism tank. It was drained. There was no water in there. So when nobody saw me, I just like sat in there and I could hear the pitter patter of people. They're like, who would have touched this egg? What happened to this egg? And then somebody said, I saw Michael Richardson here like five minutes ago. 
I knew it was on. So then I just sat down there in this baptismal tank, like, oh, gosh. And you could hear, like, scutter, people going everywhere looking for, where's my gorgeous? I can't find I heard my teacher looking for me. I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. And then it got quiet. And so what it, when it started to get quiet, I started to climb out of this baptism tank. I started to go down this hallway and go down the stairs. And it was like something out of a movie. Somebody goes, there he is! And I like booked it down these steps. I was running. I wasn't as tall as I was now. And my little piddly legs were like running. And they caught up to me. And they're like, do you know what you did? You see, my actions had consequences. You see, Jonah thought he could run away from God and no one would ever find him. You see, I thought the same thing. I thought I could run away and nobody would ever know where I was. Nobody would ever know my decision. You see, Jonah must not have read Psalms 139 because here's what Psalm 139 says. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. You see, there's many times where we as pastors, we as leaders say things like, God is with you wherever you go. And that's so true. God is with you wherever you go. In those times when you're scared, when you're overwhelmed, when you're not sure how to proceed, God is with you wherever you go. But if that's true, that's also true on the flip side. And what I mean by that is God is with you when you're in situations that you know you shouldn't be in. When you're doing things or you're with people or you put yourself in circumstances that you know you shouldn't be in. Can I tell you, God is with you there. Last year, I, I talked about my grandpa, and I'm not going to repeat what I said, but I said nothing is open after midnight, and I'll finish up right there. Some of you that were here remember that. But you see, God is with you in those situations, and can I tell you, when I started to remember that, when times that I put myself in places that I shouldn't be, it instantly changed what I was going to do what I was going to think about, and where I was going to go, because I knew that God was with me, and God was watching. You see, just like Jonah, you cannot escape the presence of God. You may think you're running away from him, but I'll tell you, he's there every single step of the way, right along with you. This generation, the generation that we're in, I often say we're the most over-schedulized, over-organized generation that's around. My grandma often says to me, she says, I think you forgot where I live because I never see you. And I say, grandma, you, like, life is not like in the 1950s. Like, our lives are crazy. We are always going somewhere. We're going here. We're going there. Somebody has a practice. Somebody has a school activity. Like, we're gone all the time. And what happens is I'll be talking to people, and I'm not just saying students, I'm saying adults as well, and I'll say something like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while, how are you doing? 
And can I tell you the number one answer? This happened tonight. It was like on cue. I said, hey, how are you doing? And the number one response when I get that is people say, I'm just so tired. Have you ever noticed that when you say that to somebody? That's the number one answer that I get. I'm just so tired. Can I tell you? What are you running away from that you should be running towards? You see, I say all that because I think some of us get so exhausted because we're running away from the calling that God has put on our life. Some of us, maybe it was recently, can I have the other microphone, please? Some of us rather recently, or some of you from a long, long time ago, God put dreams and plans in your life, and what started to happen, sorry, God put dreams and plans in your life, and they got a little scary, and so you started to move in the other direction. There are some of you, especially juniors and seniors, I see happen all the time. Some of you feel like God is calling you somewhere, but you know your parents won't agree with it. You know people won't understand it. You know that, man, there is no money in going into the mission field. And so you turn from what you want to do, and you go to what's a little bit more safe, a little bit more acceptable. And can I tell you, I think many of us are tired because we're running after what we want rather than what God wants. And it's absolutely exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting because we keep striving for what we want and what we think is going to fill us rather than what God wants for our lives. You see, God doesn't always tell you to do things you like. And if I'm completely honest with you, this role that I'm in right now was not something I ever wanted God to tell me. I often say I wasn't that eight-year-old kid that grew up and was like, I want to be a pastor when I grow up. That wasn't me. I know you think you're a nerd. You should have said that. But that was never what I wanted to do. In fact, I fought it. You can ask Rach. When Pastor John first came to us and said, hey, we really are praying about it and we think it should be you, I said, absolutely no. And I said no repeatedly over and over again until God really shook me up and said, no, I'm not asking what you want to do. I'm telling you, this is what I've called for your life. This is what I want you to do. And I'll tell you, Some of you are on a boat and you're sleeping on the destiny that God has for your life. And I think for some of you, God wants to rock your boat a little bit to wake you up. Because you're so comfortable, you're going after what you want rather than what God wants. If we keep reading, it says, picking up in verse 7, Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it, they groaned. And since the storm is getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. 
I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Point number two, your choices affect others. Your choices affect others. You see, just a few days ago, I kind of got peer pressured into doing something. My whole Instagram feed, many of which I follow you, you were posting this picture of an egg. (laughs) And I had no idea even what it was. I clicked on it, I followed it, and I'm like, eventually I want to be a part of that. Like if we break this world record, I want my like to be a part of it. And so I liked a picture of a stupid egg because I got sucked in by what the rest of you were doing. And then I looked at the people that also liked the egg and it was like 47 of you that I follow on Instagram and we'd all liked this stinking egg. But you see, your choices affect others. Back in high school, I will tell you, I did everything I could to get out of PE. Was it my favorite? I know you're shocked by that. But one day, we were in PE, and one of the kids in my class, he took off his boxers, and he took it and shot it into the basketball hoop. Well, it didn't make it into the hoop. It, like, hung on the side. And our PE teacher came out, and he goes, whose underwear are those? And we all knew who the underwear was, but we didn't say anything. And we all stayed quiet. And you know what he made us do? He's like, now listen, this sounds like the worst thing ever. We had to run laps. I'm sure you all still do that. God bless you. It was like the worst thing ever for me. I don't want to run laps. I had had my inhaler with me every time, every step of the way. And he goes, well, guess what? We're going to run triple laps today because no one wants to fess up to it. And so I remember, instead of running five laps that day, we ran 15 stinking laps. Now, here, this is what I used to do. I used to do anything I could to get out of PE that I would volunteer to serve nachos in the cafeteria. That day, I couldn't because I had to run 15 stinking laps. I say all that because this one idiot that pulled off his underpants, his choice affected the rest of us. The rest of us because... We had to take up his mistakes. Can I tell you, I love people in this generation that fess up, that own up to their mistakes. I do. And some of you are like, why? Because it's so hard, I think, nowadays to find people that are just truthful, that are just up front. A couple years ago, I came home. I went to pull in our, our car in the driveway, and somebody had spray painted a four square in our driveway with spray paint. And I came inside and I said, hey, somebody spray painted, which one of you is it? I looked at Ray first, was it you? No, I'm just kidding. Um, And none of them would fess up. And I go, okay, then none of us are gonna get to do this or we're not gonna go here. And I remember we were sitting there And there's a punishment for each and every one of us because I'll tell you today, in this day and age, we live in a culture that we just try to slide by. We try to cover things up. But you see, the choices you make affect other people. And that's exactly what happened here in Jonah. The choices of him running away from God affected the rest of the people on this boat. And can I tell you, just like 
with Jonah, God may use a storm to wake you up. God may bring things in your life not to hurt you, not to harm you, but just to strengthen you, to help you learn things. I look back at so many different times in my life, and when I was in the midst of seasons, I wondered what was going on. I wanted to call it quits and just walk away. But looking back on it, man, God was teaching us things over and over. God may use a storm to wake you up. Because sometimes your choices aren't just affecting you, they're affecting other people. You see, some of us, just like here in Jonah, you're sailing in the wrong direction and you're taking innocent people right along with you because of the choices that you're making. You see, as it continues on with these last few verses, picking up in verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Third point I want us to take away today. Just like your choices affect others, others affect your choices. You see what it says here is they took matters into their own hands and they threw Jonah overboard. Can I tell you, the devil will do anything he can to get you to hop on the wrong boat. He will always have a fleet of boats that are heading into the wrong direction and there are people, people there that will try to get you to hop on that boat to join them. You see, my mom today, she just retired after working for a, a long, many, many years, as long as I can remember. Oh, thank you. Thank you for cheering for my mom. And somebody said today, when we went to her, her party, they said, you guys get along so well, did you ever argue or get upset with each other? And we both instantly looked at each other and we both remembered the time where it was like a knockdown dragon. Now, not physically, but there were times where my mom and I didn't see eye to eye. And I'll tell you, it was about a girl. It always is about a girl or it's always about a guy. Because there was a girl that I was seeing and my mom knew that it was not the right person for me. You see, what happened is I shared today that my mom, since as long as I can remember, would always pray for me every single night. And one of the things that she did for many, many years is she always prayed that I would find a godly woman to marry since I was young. And I always thought that was so weird because when you're eight years old, you're like, I'm not thinking about a wife. Girls have cooties, get them away from me. But my mom always prayed that over and over and over again. And you see this girl when I was 20, 21 years old, some of you joke because I used to have my ear pierced. I did it because of this girl. I regret it. It's still there. I look like an idiot. But my mom and I, man, we argued about this all the time. You see, because it was this girl, and she knew that this girl was leading me in the wrong direction. That it was a ship that was taking me far away from God's best for my life. Can I tell you, 
parents always know, listen to your parents. Respect your parents. Even when you disagree with them, you will look back many, many years later. And looking back now, man, God had such a better plan for my life than I could ever have even chose for myself back then. You see, if you don't know where you're going, there will always be people that are glad to take you in the direction that they're going, that will be glad to take you in the opposite direction. And a lot of times what happens is when you follow them, you start to head in some dark, stormy seas, and it's hard to move past. I've been there. I've lived that over and over again. You see, I love seeing new people come to underground. I've often referred to this year as season two. And some of you have just started being a part of underground since August, September, maybe more of you recent than that. And I love it. If you've been here fairly recently, we're so glad to have you and we hope you keep coming back. But you see, there were some people that were here back in what I call season one that are no longer a part of us on a Wednesday night. And some of it is, man, they got school stuff going on. They're involved in sports teams. Some of them have found other youth groups that they just feel like, man, I fit better in here. And man, God bless them. We send them wherever they need to go. But can I tell you, there are some people that are no longer here with us because they've gotten involved with the wrong people. They've jumped on the wrong boat and it has led them in the opposite direction that I feel than where God's calling them. We have students with unlimited potential that unfortunately are no longer a part of it. Can I tell you, the people that you associate with, they will determine the trajectory of your life. Be intentional about the people that you spend time with. Be intentional about the people that you let speak in and spend time with you. Because when someone runs away from God, runs in the opposite direction, they won't just wreck their life, but can I tell you, oftentimes they'll wreck yours as well. You see, every single morning, I pray for each and every one of you. And some of you, I may not even know your name, but I pray for this group every single morning, our leaders, but I don't just pray for you. I pray for those people that are no longer here, that God uses a storm to wake them up, that they start heading back in the direction that God has for them. Clay is up here and, you know, I I make a big deal about it because I I love him. I think he's talented. He's one of the sweetest young men that you will ever see. He's rare for an 18-year-old dude. And we were in in Chicago um, not too long ago and we were at Navy Pier and there were ships and we were kind of walking up and down there. And uh, we came one day to this pirate ship And it was like the coolest thing ever. And I was like, I always wanted to go on a pirate ship. Now, this was kind of late at night, like 9 or 9.30. And so um, I'm telling you this is a cautionary tale. Don't do what I did. And I go, I want to go get on that pirate ship. And so I started to climb the stairs, and I got on this pirate ship that I probably wasn't supposed to be on. And not only did I climb on the pirate ship, that wasn't enough for me. I started to climb along the side of the pirate ship, you know, like the, the rope part up there. Cause I was like, that's like what a pirate did. And as I was doing it, like a real life pirate looking guy came out and he goes, get off my ship. 
I was like, oh my gosh, that's legit what happened. And he's like, and he kicked me off his boat. And then um, he kind of escorted us off the rest of the premises for the rest of the night. Um, But I say all that because for some of us, that's a really silly story, but I, I think it harkens back to something that's really important. Maybe there are people in your life that you need to kick off your ship. Maybe there are people that are alongside you that are taking you in a different direction than where you need to go. Because if you look back here at the end of chapter one, as soon as Jonah was hurled off the ship, the seas went calm. And maybe for some of you right now, you're in the midst of a storm and stuff's going on in your life and you can't figure out how it's ever gonna end. Why is this happening? And I know it's hard to say, but maybe ask this question. Who in your life do you maybe need to throw overboard for a season? Who are people in your life that are taking you to places that are so far away from the destiny and the purpose that God has called for you? Or maybe what do you need to hurl overboard to calm your life, to get things quiet? Because maybe if you're like me, there's lots of distractions in my life. Lots of things sometimes that keep me from my relationship with God. It could be your schedule. It could be people. It could be a job. It could be things that you're involved with at school. But I'll tell you, if there are things that are distracting you from spending time with Jesus, I hate to tell you, it's not that important. And some of you, you'll start to see, once you start to throw some of these things overboard, when you start to get rid of some of these things, just watch your life will start to calm down a little bit more. You won't be so tired. You won't be so exhausted because you'll no longer be running after what you want because now you're resting in what God wants for your life. And I'd love to say that your storm is gonna end just like that, just like it did when they threw Jonah overboard. But sometimes it's a season. Sometimes you'll keep going through it because God's preparing you for something to come. You see, there's times in my life where I thought I'm giving it all to God and things are just gonna calm down, but that's not the way it is. But you know what I've remembered? That though the storm is still raging, guess what? God is still in control. Even in the times where it feels like the waves are lapping against me, I feel like I'm about to go overboard myself. I know that there's a God that still loves me that God that still has a plan for my life and a God that's still gonna be with me every single step of the way. Because let me remind you again, you cannot escape the presence of God. He's with you in the good times. He's with you in the bad times. And some of you tonight, that's gonna be my encouragement to you. In the storm that you're in right now, God is with you. God loves you. And God has a plan for your life. Will you just bow with me and pray? Dear God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for loving every single person in this room. And not just loving us, but you went to the cross for us. You died for us. That's how much you loved us. And so God, I pray tonight that we would just start to hand over the things that are going wrong in our lives, the storms that we're in, 
And God, I pray that you would just reveal to us what are the things that we need to hurl off to the side so we can focus on what you want to do, the plans that you have for our lives. And God, even when it gets hard, even when things get uncertain, we're going to lean into you and believe that you have a plan for our life, that even in the storm, you are still God, and we trust that you're going to see us through to the end. And in your name, amen.